Hi, I'm Hannah, team manager with the Orange Arrow Players Association, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to coach student athletes to aim for success off the field. Please consider making a play by giving, posting a friend raiser, subscribing to our podcast and YouTube channel, and staying connected on social media at Orange Arrow PA. Visit orangearrow.org for more information. Thank you for listening. Take aim. Welcome to Inside the Play Call with Orange Arrow, and I'm your host, Sean Robinson. And today, we have a very, a very special guest, my guy, Rob. Don't forget the double B, Davon Butler. Rob, what up, bro? What's good with it, man? Listen, I've been waiting about four years to get on this on this show, Sean. So this is a this is like you know Hall of Fame, High School Hall of Fame, pick all Hall of Fame, Small of Fame. Like I'm on the OA, I'm on the OA pod, baby. I made it. Let's go, hey dog. We had to get our weight up. You know what I mean? Before, before <laughs> no, we stop, stop with the big dogs. Now after four years, like all right, I think we're ready to have a conversation with uh, Rob Double B. You stupid. And it's so good. I said Rob Double B. So R O B B. How yeah. often do people forget that second B? Oh, I mean, almost always, man. I don't, I don't even trip. It's like, then they always come back. It's either like they drop the B or they, they spell Davon with an E. D-E-V-O-N. Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I can see how they would get them both mixed, mixed up. It's such a unique name, the way it's spelled. So uh, I, I don't trip too hard off of it. So so the first name is actually Rob Hyphen Davon? That's right. It's a hyphenated first name. My, my, my grandmother named me. My dad's name is Robbie, R-O-B-B-I-E. Middle name, Darnell. Um, so you got the RD, RDB thing popping. And so my grandmother was like, oh, we're going to name this baby Rob Davon with a hyphen. So I don't, I don't know another Rob Davon with a hyphen on the face of the planet. The one, you're the one and the only. Wait, so I got to ask a question. Do you have a middle name? No, that would, that would be too much. Like Rob Davon Earl Butler. <laughs> Rob Davon Sebastian Butler. Let's go. <laughs> So, Rob, you understand as an athlete, the importance of warming up and stretching, right? Yeah. I got a couple warm-up questions. Here we go. If you go only listen to one musical artist for 30 days straight, only one, their entire catalog, who are you selecting? Ooh, that's easy. 30 days straight. I got to go with my boy Smokey North. Wow. Yeah. That's a strong choice. Does he have enough catalog or are you just going to keep playing his famous song over and over again? Like the catalog strong. It's not, you know, it's not 30. It's going to be on repeat, but I'm going to need, I was thinking about my mentals and my spiritual state. You know what I'm saying? So if I'm going to be, if I got to lock in on one for, for 30 days, it's got to be inspirational, right? Daily. So um, that's why I choose smoking. I dig it. I dig it. I dig it. So here we go. You can have any superpower. One superpower. Yeah. What's your superpower? Ooh, man. At first, at first, at first, thought I, I, I would, I would think flying. Like that. That's like the thing that comes to my mind first. But then, man, if if everlasting life is a superpower, you know, like like is Captain America? Like he, this dude never gets old, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, like I, I, I like, I like that. And I'll deal with the pain of, you know, loving folks and then watching folks go and loving folks and what, you know, I'll deal with that. I just, I love life, bro. So I would, I would love, like, live forever is my superpower. I dig it. I dig it. Last one, last one, last one. Favorite TV show of all time. To this day, if it comes on, you can still watch it. Ah, man, this has got to be the Cosbys, bro. Hmm. Got to be the Cosbys, man. Um, you know, growing up in a single parent household, um, my dad left when we were two. I was two, actually. Not we. My, my brother was just born. And, and so I always I looked to that show as a model for a nuclear family. And that's what I saw for myself. And I tried to create it, man. We, we four or five. We do. We were shooting for five. We, we got four. And then we realized how expensive they are. And it's time to shut it down. <laughs> so Cosby <laughs> Show, when you think of the, the show, the series, what episode one and two of them come to mind? Oh, the man, the, the, the one where uh, they tried to make my man feel that Gordon Gartrell. They tried to oh, make yeah. that Gordon Classic. Right? And he's like, Denny! Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 
he started getting compliments, and then so now he's flagged out. He flagged out. Right? It's all about what the ladies think. Right, right. Gordon Cartel. That's classic, <laughs> classic there. Classic. So Rob, Rob Davon, take yeah. us back. Early beginnings, childhood, introduction to sports. Take it away a little bit. Yeah, man. So um go all the way back to uh, I had to be seven, had to be seven years old, living in the the Broadhead Manor projects uh, on the west side of Pittsburgh and just, just hanging out on the streets with, with my broskies. And, and one of the guys named is Kenny Townsend. He was a year or two older than me. We were playing like it tag or something. He was like, man, you kind of fast. You should come play football. I was like, yeah, man, I don't know about that. You know, I, those dudes, you know, you get hit and all that other good stuff. So I drug my feet and he just kept being persistent. And eventually I begged my mom, bro, and I, I mean, I, I begged her for like, it was like $30 to sign up back then. Now it's like $600 to sign up. Um, she eventually signed me up. My dad went and got me all the equipment, man, and I got started. So I started off as a like a left tackle or something. I was on the line um, wearing number 63 with the <laughs> with the horse collar and the, the forearm pads and everything. Right. Looking like Bill Fralick, bro. Shout <laughs> <laughs> out to Bill Fraley, pick great RP. Rest yeah. in rest in power, rest in power. Um, so that started me off. Um, Kenny had graduated. <clears throat> so going into my second year on the termites, I broke out for like I had like five, six touchdowns in, in my first game. Then everybody knew, like, okay, we got something here. Um, it was that it was at that time I went to my dad and I was like, Dad, I know what I want to what I want to be when I grow up. And he was like, What? I was like, I'll go. NFL football player. He was like, boy, if you don't get out there and go hit somebody and shut up, shut up, boy. Like, get, you're crazy. You're tripping. Right. Um, so I just progressively, you know, continued to get better. Um, uh, and lo and behold, I mean, I started fast forward to Perry High School. I started getting recruited. You know, uh, the, the whole dream that I created at seven started to look like it's starting to take some shape. Um, so, mm. so, so before we, before we go that route, what other interests did you have growing up? Were you in music, oh, yeah. writing? Yeah, man, I was, uh, I wanted to be an actor. So, I, see so that. You know, I was doing some auditioning and they told me I had to cut my hair and they wanted me to be on set during football season. And they said that the casting director, Nancy Mosser, uh, that's a, that's a Pittsburgh, you know, casting director. I think her name is Nancy Mosser or Moss. I mean, you said, you said it pretty cut with much yeah, confidence. <laughs> Let's go with like, it. Man, man, that's a good memory. Yeah, right. that was a long time ago. She's like, you're going to have to choose between being a, a football player or an actor. I was like, I'm, I'm not quite ready to give up this sport. I was only like in the ninth, 10th grade. I hadn't even really got started yet. And um, it was either like the Jackson 5 or one of those movies that was filmed in Pittsburgh um, that had some scenes in Pittsburgh. Long story short, I chose to pursue, uh, to pursue football. I also... When I was younger, uh, the first thing I wanted to be was an angel. Like I, I didn't know that you. I thought an angel was an occupation. So I was like in you know, kindergarten, or first grade, and you know you had to draw on the piece of paper what you want to be when you grow up. And people were drawing nurses and police officers and teachers, and I drew angel, little little brown boy uh, with a halo and wings and everything. Oh, I love it. And the teachers like, oh baby, she talks. Oh baby, you uh, you can't be that. Like crushed me, broke my, like, broke my heart. Like, what do you mean you can't be that? She's like, it's not like an actual job or actual profession. So I created a, uh, I went back to the drawing board and then I created a businessman. So football player and businessman became the two angel, football player, businessman. Um, so football shows up. I mean, I made it happen. Um, you know what I do now. Uh, so I'm in the corporate right. world get to that so the businessman shows up made that happen and then the angel part is more about i think that's where we're, we're giving back and contribution and charity and being a stand for people really comes in that I, I realize it's not an occupation that i get to get a salary for but it's a way of being right it's a way of being in the world totally you know what those two stories really um is a, a testament to the impact an adult can have on a young person's life and so instead of saying you couldn't be an angel or you could be an actor, let me explain like how you may have to view this, right? right. And so, so you may not be an angel in which you, in, the, in a sense, you know, your seven-year-old or eight-year-old mind 
but but there's a way that you can do about giving back. You can be someone. You can be an angel investor. You you right. can be an angel to the community that you're from because you're giving back and pouring back into the community. And then also the acting. Like it's going to be difficult, but you can do it, right? You got to right. juggle it. You're going to have right. to. You're going to have to uh, come to school early. Right. You know what I mean? Then go to practice. So like like it, it would have been dope to see that because I mean, your personality. I mean you're mm -hmm. a magnet for people and so charismatic. I could definitely. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you were, if, if acting would have been your choice. And act, you could have juggled both, yeah. acting and football. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And so, um, so you talked about Perry, successful high school career there. You actually recently got inducted into the um, the City League Hall of Fame. Congratulations there. Mm -hmm. Talk about the recruiting process. What some of the schools you were considering coming out of high school? Got you. So I was a, I would say a late bloomer, probably not by most people's. Um, standards. But for me, I was a late bloomer because I played with a gentleman, pit, a pit legend by the name of Rod Rutherford. So Shout out Rod. Rod, Rod Rutherford is my quarterback and uh, my defensive backfield mate. He was getting recruited since like 10th grade. Um, and, and he, it, you know, it's like his first time playing quarterback and he was just, it's just amazing. And so he started getting recruited like a year and a half before me. So I thought, I thought I was a late bloomer. I really didn't start to get recruited until I went to a pit camp um, my junior year and ran a 4-4 flat 40 um, on, on turf, the, the old Astro turf, the old school stuff. And so they offered me on the spot. And then once Pitt offered me, all the offers started to pour in. I ended up with like 40 or 50 um, D1 scholarship offers. The, the recruiting process was wild back then, man, because, you know, there were no, there were no cell phones. Um, I was working two jobs. I remember Coach Junko um, came to see me at the Old Country Buffet out uh, out North Hills because he's like, "Oh, where are you gonna where are you gonna be? Where are you gonna be tonight?" I'm like, "I, I gotta work, Coach. I gotta work. So if you want to see me, you come through the OCB off McKnight Road, man. I'll be right there until about ten thirty. <laughs> so we got to pause there. So you worked, you worked at the Old Country Buffet, and then yeah. what's the other? What's your second job? McDonald's. Downtown. Wow. So, so, so first, like, did you get tired of eating the food at either one of those restaurants? <laughs> nah, man. I, I, I'm the kind of dude that can eat the same three things every day for the rest of my life. So same breakfast, same lunch, same dinner every day for the rest of my life. And I'm actually prefer it because I know the caloric value, you know, I know the caloric intake and my body gets used to it. And it actually responds better to keep it simple, man. So actually now nah, I ate McDonald's. <laughs> I don't know if this is illegal, but, my, you know, my mom, instead of throwing it away, she would bring it home. Like, well, you know, it's, why would she throw it in the trash? She was a manager. So I ate McDonald's my whole life. Uh, I'm like. Oh, wait. Like, so you, you, your mom was a manager at the McDonald's that you worked at. Oh, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. So I'm like, Chad, Ocho Cinco, bro. We, you know, that McDonald's will make you, <laughs> make your gut like Teflon. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Old country buffet. That used to be the spot. The all you can eat. Yeah, that man. Used the, that used to be the spot. Prime red with the au jus sauce. Yeah, now, now, did you ever have to cut? Were you in a car oh, yeah. station? Yeah, I did. I did everything, man. I was 16 years old, working two jobs, getting recruited, um, maintaining a 3.3 um, grade point average. So that that set the stage for you know an, an adult who believes he's got the capacity to do anything. Yeah, yeah. And so we're gonna talk about you know Junko came to visit you at the old country buffet, uh, Pitt legend. We'll talk about Pitt, but what's some of the other school that you were considering? So my, my, my final five, um, quick, my final five were uh, Michigan State, um, North Carolina State, Maryland, um, Wisconsin, and Pitt. So, so um, Michigan, did I say Michigan State? You did, no? Yeah, so Michigan State, Nick Saban. Nick Saban was the head coach of Michigan State in those days. He came in my living room, sat down, all business. I mean, just as regal and CEO-ish as he is now, no facial, I mean, he's just like really serious. And I was like, what the heck? You know, folded his arms across his legs, leaning back in my, in my freaking chair. <laughs> and um, I said, so he's talking to my mom. She's asking him questions. All I want, 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 want. I don't hear anything. I don't hear anything, Sean. All I ask him is, so what are your plans for me as, as a freshman? He sat back. He said, well, we're going to redshirt you. 
and uh, we got these two these two uh, seniors ahead of you. You know, you get bigger, stronger, faster, acclimated to college, learn the system, blah blah blah. I just stopped listening after he said red shirt, man. I wasn't trying to hear it. Oh, so awesome. in in hindsight, Michigan State was my favorite school, but he did like he and he told me the truth. He didn't have to. I'd rather him tell me what it is than a lot of me have me get there. But he told me something I didn't want to hear. And I was too young to realize you, you can potentially get a master's for free on them. You're already a young, uh, you'll be a young freshman. I'd be 17 years old as a freshman. And wow. Even though I was six foot, 190 pounds, you know, still running that four, four, I was big, but, but I wasn't, you know, mature. And so in hindsight, I take that year. I start three, four years at Michigan State for Nick Saban, man. I, I probably get drafted. I stay at corner and keep my weight down under 200 pounds, and I, I probably get drafted, bro, first day. Yeah. Well, how about that? I, um, they, we could have, our paths could have still crossed because Michigan State came to me because one of my high school teammates, he was there balling. They came on to me late, but I had already committed a pick. So I told him, you know, no, thank you. I, I, didn't, wow. I didn't go down that path, but that's crazy. We, we could have been Spartans. That's crazy. It, it, and uh, Saban was there your, your year too, wasn't he? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So you decided to go to Pitt. How was it going to a university so close to home? You're from Pittsburgh. How was that? Yeah, it was another part of the reason. I was also, I was scared to leave home. I was, you know, I was a mama's boy. Um, so, so going, going to school so, so close to my home was, uh, actually comforting for me. Yeah. You know, I, I wanted my parents to make every game that was, was local. You know, I knew if I went away to school, they would maybe three games a year. And it was important for me to, you know, they could drive to West Virginia. If they wanted to, they could drive to Philly to, to Temple. Um, if they wanted to, they could drive Syracuse so I, I just thought about I really did it for them and 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 then probably my own comfort secondary to that yeah now did you feel added pressure being a hometown kid and going I, I to a local university I did because you know I used to back in the hood when I went back home they would call me you know hey it's college boy college boy so I felt like everybody was rooting for me but at the same time everybody was expecting me you know expecting me to do to do big things, um, you know? So when I, when I didn't, and I was, you know, perpetually injured and hurt, um, and then eventually transferred to Robert Morris, people was like, you know, people I've known for, since I was a child, like, oh, oh, RB fell off, RB fell off. Like, I don't even know where he's at. I don't know what he's doing because Robert Morris wasn't a high profile school or played on national television. So there were those whispers, um, but then I, I got to, I got to shut them up when, you know, I still got to play on Sundays from that Robert Morris, you know, little old school. So I, I'm interested in that. We're going to get into the, the transfer. Um, taking you back, your time at Pitt, what's some of your fondest memories, right, as on or off the field? Oh, man, shoot, there's so many, you know, a couple of things. like one or two of them. <laughs> a couple of things come to mind. Um, I go back, why I go back, to, when you said I go back to Johnstown. Remember we used to go to Johnstown for camp? Um, I can't remember who our teammate was, but one of, one of our teammates had to, had to go to the bathroom and, uh, <laughs> got his name, well, keep going. I think it. I remember the story. He, he didn't make it. He didn't make it. He didn't make it. It's was... <laughs> <laughs> something, oh, no. something you never forget. Like, like what, you know what I'm saying? You're, you're like a grown man. You're basically a grown man. And this is what you're, this is what you're doing in the woods. Um, <laughs> As a, and then um I gotta say <laughs> any any Will Harris moment that jumps out. There, there's a moment with Will Harris. Oh, I'll say this to help me transferring is probably the most memorable moment. Let's talk okay. about that. Break it down, please. Let's, let's talk about that. So it's the so we I think Sean, you, me, a few others are just there's only a few of us that can say we played in Pitt Stadium. Three River Stadium and Heinz Field. Right. Right. All three stadiums. So this is the first game at Heinz Field. It's our first game. And it's it's uh we play in South Florida, Central Florida. 
at the crib and um, I'm playing wide receiver. Okay. I'm, playing, I'm playing behind Antonio, the Antonio Bryant. The original AB, let's go. The original AB. Right. And I'm like, all right, I was hurt all camp again. The pelvis, the groin, the, you know, the whole situation. And AB goes down. So I'm like, oh, this is my chance. We were running 21 personnel. Uh, I'm like, this is my chance. Give me a hitch because I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shake the corner. I'm going to the crib. You know, how, you know how I always want to score after I touch the rock, Sean. So definitely. Um, AB goes down. And then Coach Harris calls Yogi in. Yogi Rob, my boy Yogi. And I'm oh, like, Yogi. wait, I'm Antonio's backup. Why is Yogi in the game? Why, why, why did you put Yogi in the game? Yogi is a walk-on, okay? Love Yogi. But he's love Yogi. I love me some Yogi. Well, that's my boy. But what's going on here? So I'm like, all right, I'm getting upset. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean if we ask Yogi, he'll probably ask the same question. He would have been like, oh, me? He was all up. All Look, continue. This this story is crazy. Huh? This story I've never told this story on on a pod before. This is crazy. Uh, so Yogi gets hurt. Okay, now now I'm like, what you gonna do now, Coach Harris? So he's like, he looks down the he's like, Robbie, Robbie, get in the game. So <laughs> I go and get in the game. I'm like, just throw me a hitch, throw me a slant, throw me something. First, uh, second down, dude gets rushed, throws the ball to the ground. It's third down, and guess who's feeling better? Guess who wants to come back into the game? AB. No, AB is done. I don't think oh, he's done. He, okay. He messed his ankle up. He is done. It's Yogi. I see Yogi standing next to Coach Harris doing this. 82. 82. I'm like, man, they're like, Robbie, come on out the game. I was like, nah. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> no, sir. I was on their sideline. And, that, and I think it was Priestley or Terman looked at me. He was like, bro, what are you doing? Get the, get the F off the field. I was like, Mm-mm. nope, not coming out. I know the play. <laughs> <laughs> you better snap the ball, bro. Matter of fact, snap the ball, throw it to me. Throw, <laughs> throw me a quick now route so I can get loose and show everybody what I can do. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm showing you my numbers. They call timeout, bro. They, they, they fuss me out off the field. I take off my... Uh, I pop my my straps. I pop my um my shoulder pad buckles. And remember, we used to wear those shirts. We believe with the pants right. on. We believe. Um, they're like Robbie. What are you doing? I said I'm out here. I walked in the uh in the locker room, and that was the beginning of the end. Like, and so that was so. Then you turned into the new AB. That was your your Bucks moment. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Only thing you do the cardboard <laughs> <laughs> jumping jacks out. I did not know that, man. No, it, ha- it happened in the middle of a game. I looked at my dad in the stands. My dad, my dad said, got to do what you got to do. I read his lips. Got to do what you got to do. I was like, all right. I, I, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. I, I was immature. I had to, to, like I said earlier, I, I didn't get through one camp at Pitt because of my pelvis and groin. My condition, osteitis pubis. I couldn't. It, 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 the two days, it, the, it got aggravated, and I could barely walk. Um, and so, but so I, my, my internalization of that was that they were screwing me over, you know, like, you know what I can do. You recruited me. Why do I got to prove myself? You see me in the spring. It's just when the, when the training camp hits, I can't go every day. And, um, so I was carrying that. So when Walt, Walt, I think he had kicked me out of, uh, from traveling with y'all, you know, we used to go to the movies and go to double tree, get those nice cookies. Ooh, yeah. Um, I was, la- I was smiling at Darcy. Uh, remember Dar- was Darcy Levy? Levy, yeah, yeah. Levy, he, I'm, he's making jokes while Coach Harris is talking. I was just, I was just smiling. I couldn't laugh, and he thought I was laughing. I didn't even kick me. I don't know if you remember that. I couldn't travel with y'all and go to movies. Yeah, I do I remember that. The night before, so it, that all spilled over. He embarrassed me. I had to sleep in my own house. I ain't getting no, no movies with the team. No double tree cookies. It was all bad. It was really about the cookies. I'm, I'm really upset about not getting cookies. Now, now, are you still are you still uh, a fan of those double tree cookies? Yeah, that's 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 what I'm saying. Like that's the reason why I really transferred. Is like he I'm he with you. <laughs> I mean, there's, a period, there's a period of time where, like, years after playing at Pitt. So for those who are unaware, before the game, we used to have the double tree hotel, uh, being teammates at Pitt, and we used to go wow for those double tree double tree cookies. If you ever stand at double tree, you you know you know that the time we were on. And so, like, it was years after, dog, I would drive by a double tree 
and say, hey, yo, can I get two cookies? <laughs> like, I, like, random double trees, dog. I'll yeah. love to be addicted for a while. Yeah. Best cookies ever. I've not, those cookies were nice and warm. They were perfect. Yeah, and it's, I think part of it, part of it, it was so unexpected. You'd be like, I'm going to the hotel. You know what I mean? Right. Like, wait, these cookies are here? Like, man. <laughs> it, it got to the point where we were taking so many cookies, they had to stop for, like, at least a week or two. And yeah. Then hey, y'all can't be taking five, ten cookies. That's me going in with those cookies. <laughs> be- because, because those who got off the bus early, they would get all the cookies, and then, like, the, the, uh, the coaches and the teammates came all out, they didn't have any cookies on. It was a problem. I think McGovern might, might have put it into us taking multiple cookies, man, because he loved them. I believe it, Billy McGovern. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, transfer to Robert Morris. Talk about your time at RMU. Yeah, so RMU is like being um, a big fish in a small pond, so to speak. Um, you know, back then there was no transfer portal, and, and it was, the, the pain of transferring D1 to D1 was costly. It cost you a, a whole year of eligibility. And, um, you know, I was trying to get to another D1 school because I wanted to play big-time ball, called all the coaches that had recruited me, including uh, uh, D'Antoni. He was at uh, Ohio State. He had left Michigan State, went to Ohio State. And um, they were all like, listen, Robbie, we, we love you. We like you. We just, I mean, we, to, to give you a scholarship, you have one year of eligibility, and we can give that scholarship to a high school senior and, and have them for four or five years. So I understood the economics, you know, the business of it. And, um, and it just all advised me to go down either to D1 AA or D2. Uh, my boy, Corey Oaks, my Perry Commodore, four horseman brother was at Robert Morris. It was local, you know, it was still in the state. It was still in the city of Pittsburgh and it was the level down. So I ended up transferring there. 9-11 happened because um, I had like, I don't know, 48 hours to find a home, 9-11 happened, and that bought me some more time because it was such a, uh, a tragic event. Um, I remember like it was yesterday, got into Robert Morris, and I, was, I came over as a receiver. So I'm thinking I love playing receiver, even though I'm not a prototypical receiver. Um, and, you know, I'm doing my thing. I'm starting to get recruited. The, the Eagles is looking at me. The Colts are looking at me. Uh, the Titans. And then my, my, my coach comes to me and my going into my senior year, spring ball, bro. And he says, Coach Walton, rest in power. He's like, uh, Dan Radakovich and I, rest in power, bad rad. We think that you're, you know, you got the biggest chance, the best chance of playing on Sundays in your class, but not at receiver. It's like. Right. What? Who says, like, who says? <laughs> Dude, what are you talking about right now? I got, I'm got, I got one year. I'm going into, we're going into spring ball. He's like, no, we think your best chance is going to be at safety. It's like you're, you're, you're athletic. You're tougher than shit. Um, you could do, you can cover, you can cover receivers. You hit, you can hit like a. I'm like, how do you know I do all these things? But I'm a player receiver, dude. Okay, I'm a finesse guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> what are you talking about. He's like, no, no, we're gonna build the defense around you. Um, blah, 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 blah. So, man, he said, listen, give it a shot in the spring. Oh, first, he put on my heartstrings. Let me back up. He said, our whole entire secondary graduated, and we have other guys playing receiver behind you that could start at other places. So, for the team, we would be better if we shored up the back end. And also, we think that's, that's the best spot for you to play anyway. And uh, it's gonna go good. We'll build the defense around you. So uh, you try. So I tried it out in the spring, man. They had me. Just think about Troy Palomalu in the Steelers defense. That's what I was at Robert Morris at safety. I was all yes. over the field. Um, in cover two, I would line up outside as the safety over the um, over the number number one receiver because they wanted the force man. You know who's who's our better force player? Me. Or the 150 pound corner who runs a four three. Well, uh, it's gonna be me, you know. Right, right. So, so they would do unique things, or coach, coach Bad Rat would do unique things like that and move me around, man. And it was, it was a freaking blast. And for the first time, I realized why it's important to to play defense because I can control my own destiny on offense. Like he's got to call my play. Right. I, you know, the quarterback has to, you know, see me. The offensive line has to block. If it's a blitz, the running backs got to catch, you know, do pass pro. All these things have to happen in order for me to shine on defense. It's like, 
see man with ball, hit man with ball. Right, right, right. Go get yeah. it. Who, whoever's the fastest, whoever wants it more. You know what I'm saying? So I, I loved controlling my own destiny because I was a little concerned about the receiver thing. So what did you major in? Business. So I, I started off at Pitt as a finance major. And I remember going back to being a kid and I wanted to be a businessman because businessmen, these are the guys I would see when I was downtown catching those two buses to football practice at seven, eight years old. Um, and I saw the suits and the briefcases and I'm getting into fancy cars coming out of skyscrapers. So I figured, I don't know what these guys do, but I think they got a, you know, a better life than me. So my grandma told me those were businessmen. That's where that came from. I majored in business, finance. And then when I went to Robert Morris, I changed my major from finance to marketing because I, I realized how heavy quant, uh, finance was heavy quant, which, which is fine. I just didn't want to build spreadsheets and build models um, sitting behind a, a desk in a cubicle, you know, it'd be a VP of finance. I'm more of a uh, sales guy. So I got into marketing. So how did you balance being a student athlete? Oh, man. So it, I think it goes back to the foundation of um, being a latchkey kid, you know, at seven and my little brother is five, right? And my mom is like, make sure you get him on and off the bus, make sure he eats, make sure he does his homework, make sure he doesn't get beat up. Because I had to balance my stuff and make sure all those things were so for Dorian. And then you, and then you- That probably changed later. I, I, I'm, I'm interrupting because you said make sure he doesn't get beat up. Like yeah. your brother's bigger than you now. So that probably changed <laughs> a few years later. He had to make sure you didn't get beat up. But I digress, continue. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, but then you go to you know high school, working the two jobs, maintaining the 3.3, playing football and running track. And so all that, so, so to go to college, it was just, for me, it was par for the course. It was like, this is the air that I breathe. I do multiple, have multiple disciplines, uh, you know, multiple areas of responsibility um, because now I'm on a campus. My, my day and my schedule is, is pretty much planned out. All I got to do is put one foot in front of the other and show up. So whether we had to work out in the morning, especially for winter conditioning, and then go to class, you know, and then go to the meetings, it was, it was easy for me. It was, it was really easy for me. I think I always had more capacity than the average person my size and my age because of my responsibility. Because when I transferred, Sean, I remember I, I got married and, and then had it was married with two kids in undergrad. You know what I mean? 20 years old, uh, 21 years old. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You talk about responsibility. Right. You were drugging a lot. Yeah. And man. so uh, the hell with that responsibility, taking you back to what you mentioned earlier, you told your dad that you want to be an NFL athlete. You're on the verge of realizing your dream. Can you talk about that time period mm. of done playing at RMU college football? And then now you're on the verge of potentially realizing your NFL dream. It was tough, bro. A lot of people don't know this, but I, I almost quit. Um, you know, speaking of the kids, I, I felt like what kind of man doesn't take care of his, his family. So I was, I was withdrawing from classes in my senior year to go work at Giant Eagles, man, to do, to do a double at the photo hut in the Eagle's nest at Giant Eagle, bro, to just to, just to put food on the table and be able to get diapers, you know, for, for Amani. So Amani was just born. And so it was Courtney, it was my wife, who actually stopped me from withdrawing from school and, and giving up on myself to go make minimum wage at John Eagle. Um, so she, she begged me not to quit, not to withdraw. I actually stayed. I did double down on myself. I, I, I did leave to go train for uh, the combine because I thought having a good combine would, would increase my chances of getting drafted. That was the strategy anyway. Um, but it, that, that didn't work out as well as we'd like it to. So I, I did end up leaving with a semester on the table. I still had some work to do, but I took a gamble to try to, you know, get, increase my stock. So it was worth it. Um, I really, I really didn't know what to expect, man. I was nervous because I didn't run the 40 time that I, I was supposed to run. I gained a lot of weight, um, prior to my pro day. But when I got some, my agent, Joe Linta said to me, he said, look, you did well enough for me to get you signed. You'll either get drafted late or you'll get signed within 15 minutes of the draft. 15 minutes after the draft, my phone's ringing. And it was um, Tom, Tom Klein, his, his ops manager, his ops VP to say, congratulations, you're a San Diego Charger. Um, and then 
they know they know what kind of guy I am. Like I'm the underdog kind of a dude. And so I remember I got signed. I was happy. No sign on bonus. Just a plane ticket. I go off a rookie rookie mini camp. And uh, while the day before practice, my agent calls me. He says, "Let me tell you something real quick." Now, I know you're going to do well, but I want you to know that Jason Lindsmeyer, who was another client of his, who was also signed to the Chargers, is a priority free, free, um, undrafted free agent. He said Jason Lindsmeyer was a priority. So they wanted Jason so bad because multiple teams wanted him. They wanted him so bad that I, te- I told them that we'll sign with them if they take you. Wow. He said, and then we hung up. And then they called me back and they asked me, what position does that Rob Butler kid play again? He said, they don't know who, they don't know who you are, what you can do. They signed you because of Jason. Now you go make, you go make them wrong. He, he, he knows how, like, that's how yeah. it was. Yeah. When he said that, man, I, I, I literally knocking helmets off. I already know, yeah. Literally, like, boop, chin strap, helmet off. Who is this 45 guy? So such that by the time we reported to training camp, Marty Schottenheimer called my agent and he says, I've been doing this for years and head coaches don't call, don't call me. Marty Schottenheimer, rest in power, called him and said, where did you find Rob, Rob Butler kid? He is the most impressive rookie we have at camp. And that camp, that camp, Philip Rivers was our number one uh, draft pick. So, you know, in that camp, in my class, there's probably three, four Hall of Famers. Rivers, you know, Mike Turner will get, will get nominated, uh, Shaw Phillips, um, Nick Hardwick, Nate Cady. I mean, it was some dudes in that class. Um, so, yeah, wow. man. I didn't that's, know that. Yeah. That's incredible. So, um, you mentioned it. So, I want to give you, I want to, you mentioned her. I want to give you this opportunity now. You mentioned now Courtney. And um, you all been together for a long time. You're a wonderful wife. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about your journey, your success, but I know she's played a critical, crucial role in that. So just speak um, about your wife and you all's relationship and how, how, how important it has been in your journey. Yeah, as you say, we've been together for a long time. So some um, 20, 21 years together, um, 19 years married. This, this year we have four, four children, two boys, two girls. Um, and I would say, you know, people ask me, why, why'd you get married? What do you, what do you like most? The thing you, you value most about being married? And I say this, being married to the woman that I'm married to, specifically Courtney is like, I, I had, I would have in my mind, no access to being the best version of myself outside of the weight of the responsibility that I have in being a husband and being a father. And then the type of character woman that she is, 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 is that she, she's going to hold me always to the highest integrity and to the highest account because she knows who I am. And so she won't allow me to stumble. You know, She won't cause nor allow me to, to stumble. So um, I, 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 I had to do the work, but, but Courtney has been, you know, like an angel or guardian angel or my guardrails to keep me on my path. And um, so I give her all, I give her all the credit for that. And, and, and in so doing has made tremendous amounts of sacrifice to, to, to support me in pursuit, in the pursuit of my dreams, um, both um, athletically or prof- as a professional athlete and then post football in corporate America, because we moved five, six times you know, four moves for NFL, four or five moves for corporate. I mean, we, we nine, nine moves in. Um, so when you think about that, how can she get anything going in, in a particular city when we are like gypsies? So she's made tremendous sacrifices, man. She, uh, she's just an extraordinary human being. Yeah. Salute to Courtney. Salute. Yeah, and so NFL, fondest memory. Fondest. Oh man. Ooh, I got I got two. If I can, if I can have two, um, I'll give you two. I uh, the first one has to be playing the, <laughs> the first one. Dang. Oh man, here we go. The first one has to be uh, taking Doug Flutie's spot on on the scout team to play Michael Vick the week we were preparing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, man. Doug Doug Flutie 
probably one of the best athletes I've ever seen. I mean, Doug Flutie had to be like 42. A dude was still slam dunking. He's like, like five, eight years. He's like five, eight, legit five, eight. Wait, he could dunk? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was like 42 banging. Uh, wow. Dude, dude would run with the DBs. You know, everybody, every group had their time, the linemen, the linebackers. He would run with the DBs, man, and, and like be at the top of the pack with us. I'm like, man, Flutie, you need to chill, bro. Like, you're too much, man. Right. <laughs> to make us look bad. So uh, we're playing the Falcons, and I go to Coach Schottenheimer before practice, and I'm like, hey, hey, Coach. I just see him in the hallway. I go to the bathroom. He's walking in the hallway. I said, hey, Coach, man, you should, you should give me a shot to play Vic this week to help y'all get ready. I said, Vic's six foot. I'm six foot. Vic's left-handed. I'm left-handed. I said, I, I can run. I can beat you with my legs. He said, he looked at me. He said, you ever taken a snap before? I said, it's been a while. He, said, <laughs> he says, he says, hmm, and then he walks off. And then, so I, I go back into the DB meeting. Uh, long story short, we, we go off for practice. I jump on the field. I'm not thinking nothing. Now, hey, Rob, come back. Take some snaps. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh snap. I take some snaps. Uh, I get the, get, you know, I, I got my hand in there real good. This is this is before you know shotgun was like every every down you know what I mean pistol right. everyone's so I take some snaps it goes well man we 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 do our warm up we get into the scout team period Doug Flutie <laughs> Doug Flutie jumps in the huddle and he's getting ready to trot out go into centers look at the card to execute the play and Marty's like hey Doug come on out of there <laughs> I'm like oh no not the Flutie and so he's like. Robbie, get in there. I get in there, man. I am terrorizing our starting defense, man. Donnie, I was like, yo, you got to chill. I'm like, nah, this is my moment. So NFL Network is like, right, right, right. They got this clip of me and Vic side by side with the clip of me at practice, you know what I'm saying? Running, doing the bootleg, shaking the defense, darting across the field. And they got Vic running. Man, so that that was super, super, super dope. Um, I don't think it gets any better than that, bro. I said I had two, but that's that one right there. That's a great one. That's yeah. a great one. That's a great one. So how was the transition of being, you know, uh, a professional athlete? Now you got to get into the uh, professional workforce. How was that transition for you? It was, it was, um, <clears throat> I think, I want to say for me, it was easy, right? Because again, when you have, I think I find that when you have discipline in your life, pivots, 180s and things like that are easier for you to adjust to and, and to execute. So having a structured schedule, um, getting up early, um, being prepared, right? So whether I was prepared for an opponent or I was prepared for a big meeting with, with some decision makers, you got to study your opponent, learn their interests, you know, tips, the tendencies and things of that nature. So it was, there was a lot of transferable skills. And I think in particular, because I chose sales as a profession, um, I wanted to choose a performance-driven profession because we came from a performance-driven sport. And like I, being an accountant or a, a, a you know, a marketer, like I, I couldn't wrap my mind around how I can add that. How, how do you quantify the value that I add? But in sales, there is a direct correlation. You have a target or a quota, you either hit it or you don't. Right. And right. if you hit it, you get paid. If you exceed it, there's, ex, ex, you know, escalators, you get paid even more. I like that game. It, it reminded me of, of uh, the game that we play minus the contact. <laughs> right <laughs> um so so sales uh, this is something that that we speak with the young people who are with often the power of relationships and be able to build relationships sales you've been extremely successful in this industry can you speak to the power of relationships i, I would say um your social capital you know, they say your, your net worth is, 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 you know, you can be determined to your, your network or the five closest people to you. When I was younger, I did not understand those principles. As a matter of fact, I learned from, from watching you uh, a lot, from watching you as, as a master networker. But people do business with people they know, like, and trust. I've seen deals go one way because of relationship, even when the T's and C's or the value of the contract would have saved the client money. They would rather sign with the person that they know, like, and trust. And so that, that social capital is everything, not just in life, but also in business. 
because you be, you become a resource to everybody, you know. And there's like there's almost like nothing I can't call Sean about and be like, oh, let me connect you with my man. Oh, oh, my boy does this. Oh, oh, my guy. Da, da, da. It's like, wait, wait a minute. When you become a resource to so many people, and the greater resource you become, the greater the rooms that you can get into, and the more value that you can add to to, to movers and shakers, you know, as a resource or having information or access to information that they don't have. That's what makes you, and you start to connect the dots, you know, what people value, what people can use, uh, um, and, and you provide that value, it's, it's, it's priceless. It's a skill, and you have to be intentional about it, um, but I think it's a skill that anybody can master. You don't have to be extroverted to, to, to master it, but you do have to be intentional. Mm, intentional, that's a strong word there. Intentional, uh, authentic is work as well. Got to be authentic because, you know, you know, people feel like you're taking advantage of them or you're trying to trying to pull a fast one. Um, it's um, yeah. Yeah. They'll stop answering your phone calls. Right. They'll stop right. responding. But being authentic and being intentional. I mean, that's right on point. That's right on point. So, Cher, what are you doing now? Yeah. So I'm a regional sure. vice president for uh, a global company called Mohawk. Um, Mohawk's about a 10, 10 and a half billion dollar company. And I'm responsible for the, the PAC South, as we call it. Um, I got a team of eight account executives and we manufacture um, soft surface, hard surface flooring um, for the commercial, the commercial realm. That's the, the, the division I'm in right now. We also do residential. It's kind of not my fiefdom. Um, I'm inside of the commercial flooring group. So uh, I'm doing that. And I've been in this industry for the last four years. So I bounced around from software sales to aerospace sales to architectural finishes. Now I'm doing flooring. So it's all building materials. And you know, it's, it's crazy because when I was younger, I wanted to be a businessman. It, remember I said businessman, that's a broad expression. Never did I think that I'd be in paint in, in flooring or even software. Uh, but it's those, those little industries that that aren't widely known that <laughs> they pay really well. So, yeah. you know, if I was, if I was a young man listening to this and, and somebody told me, you know, flooring, somebody mentioned the flooring industry, I go check it out. There's some people making some really, really, really good money selling flooring. Definitely. Definitely. Especially. Yeah, definitely. What, um, you know, what comes to mind, I think about, cause now you are in California, right? You know, Southern Cal. And um, originally from Pittsburgh, like, how was that living West Coast, Calabasas, in comparison to, I mean, I guess you, you, you experienced a little bit in San Diego, right. uh, but actually, like, being there now, raising a family, how is that? You know, it's, um, it's, a, it's like a dream come true. It's like, like you said, I spent a little time in San Diego, about a year and a half. Um, the family didn't come with me there since that was my first stint. So I was there by myself. But we fell in, I fell in love with the geography and the vibe. Um, the, the vibe in Southern California is like no other, in my opinion, in the US. And yes, it's expensive as all get out. Yes, the traffic is horrible. But how, how we feel, like it's really hard to have a bad day for me because the sun is shining, the weather is, is perfect, the birds are chirping, I see palm trees, mountains. I got, I got the Pacific Ocean like 10, 11 minutes to my, to my west. Like it's just, it's a sense-gasm. And from a spiritual perspective, we have we have we have not ventured to a place where we get greater vibes about what's possible um, than living out here. So we absolutely love it, man. I don't I don't know if we'll be here forever. You know, when you start thinking about finances in the, the the fourth quarter of life from sixty, you know, say fifty seven to until we go to glory. But yeah. I think um, I think as long as it, if Aaron goes to USC. Shout out to your son. Yeah, he, yeah. that's who you represent now. Yeah. SC right now, yeah. He, he sticks to his commitment, then that's that's at least another three years. So we got you know potentially another five years here before we would even consider the the next move and or, or or last move. Now living there, I mean, you hear so much about the people who live there, um, and, and then you hear about Calabasas. Like, does is it inspirational as well? Like, yeah. like the possibilities. Like, wow, like people are really like living like this. Like, speak to that. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny you said it because, you know, growing up poor, um, you know, conversations that are being had out here are like dreams or 
They're not even being had. But the conversations out here that people have, they have them in a very matter of fact way. Like if someone's talking about starting a business, they just, yeah, I'm gonna open up the shop here. And it's like, da, da, da. And then a few months later, there's the shop. It's like, it's almost like abracadabra. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of my boys are movie directors and, and, and you know, my boy uh, directs BMF, my boy uh, Slick Naeem down the street. Like, these are my neighbors, you know, out Harrington's in the community up, up here, the CEO of UPS lives in the community up here. You know, of course, the Kardashians and yay and all that and live in Hidden Hills. It's like, it's just like surreal. Uh, like, you know, just go to the Target, see Jamie Foxx. You right. know what I mean? Um, you go to cigar bar and see uh, Gary Busey. You know, it, it just start chopping it up with, with Gary Busey. It's just, it's it's like, wait, what? It took me a while to get used to it. So people be like, so do you, what celebrities you see this week? You see so many, you, you just stop counting. You just, hey, what's, you know, hey, how, how's it going? And they right. love um, I went to, a, uh, had a cocktail hour with a client in uh, Iron Man's at the bar, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Is at the bar having some drinks. And it's just like, where am I, man? This is right. not- <laughs> It's like Pittsburgh. you're living in a movie. Exactly, exactly. Right. It's so different from Pittsburgh, bro. Yeah. And so as you know, uh, the mission of Orange Arrow is to coach student athletes and for success off the field, off the track, out of the pool, wherever the playing arena may be. As we close, why is it important to be successful outside of your sport? I think, um, mm, I think success is our purpose. Success, like, I think, I think, I think it's success. Like if you're not being successful and I think back to any moment, any period of my life where I wasn't being successful, it's typically a period of my life where I wasn't pursuing something that was intentional, something that was intentional or conceived in my own mind. And so to answer your question, it's life-giving. Success isn't just like, okay, success in my sport. No, success in life is who you are. And I'm not talking about like winning every time. You know, there's something called failing forward. But if you're not being successful, I would go so far as to say that you're not actually being alive. You're just kind of existing. And so to to intentionally pursue something that uh, a vision or a dream that was given to you and to, and to make progress towards that end, and the end itself is what it means to be successful. The thing is, we get to determine and decide what that looks like for us, right? Like, Sean yeah. can't tell me what success is for Rob. I have to draw that up based on what my desires are. And, you know, so I think it's absolutely imperative for humans to be successful. Uh, and I think, you know, you will find outside of it, you will find depression and uh, a host of other things, a lack of purpose, hopelessness, et cetera, et cetera, if, if you're not being successful. So just like we need air, we need food, we need success. We need love, we need success. I dig it, I dig it. Rob, thank you for your time. Thank you for who you are. Uh, thank you for your brotherhood, your friendship for decades now. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for to support the work of OA, man, and continue to do what you do, continue to impact on uh, being intentional, man. Appreciate you, boss. Love, Love.